I'd like to have the psalm open that we read together, Psalm 16, and uh, really this evening to look at verse 8. And the title of the message is Looking Always to Jesus. Now, we don't know what this coming new year will bring. But as we said this morning, we do know the one who holds it all in his hand. And here in our text tonight, we have a very simple and yet vital principle for the Christian life. And that is that we must keep looking to the Lord Jesus. Now, this psalm as a whole has many great truths concerning what it means to really know the Lord, to be saved, to walk with God, and also how life is full of ever-changing circumstances. And we need to know, friends, where we are to look for guidance and for clarity and for peace, particularly when things are uncertain and perplexing. There are times in our lives when we struggle just to see what the Lord is doing or how things are, and at that point we need to remind ourselves to keep looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David is moved to pen these words which help us to see how he faced the trials of life and the future. Now, if you know anything about the life of David, his life was often full of trouble. Sometimes it was trouble of his own making, other times because of the actions of other sinners impacting upon him. But David knew God. But it did not mean that he just sailed through life. No, he had to face many storms in his life. And yet in Psalms like this, we see how he was brought through by the grace and the mercy of God. And for all of his sin at times and his stumbling and his failing, he is still described as a man after God's own heart, which is a remarkable thing. And so under the Lord, we know that David was a leader. He was a warrior. He was a writer. He was God's man. And he was used to the Lord to pen many of these beautiful psalms which magnify the Lord and rejoice in his goodness and pour out his heart in praise. And they teach us how to keep looking to the Lord even in the darkest moments. And so there is so much that we can learn from David and from the scriptures and from this psalm. And this psalm gives us that key principle, what sustained him, what led him through to recovery when he fell into sin or times when he was almost overwhelmed in his trouble. And we saw this morning that being in the word... Being in the word is vital to a deepened faith, to trust the truth of God, to trust the God of truth. And that is vital if we are to grow as believers. And we can also be encouraged and challenged by looking to the example of the Lord's people through the ages, those who have walked the way and gone before us. But the word is so rich with insights into the daily experiences and trials that God's people have faced and that they continue to face. And that's what we have here as David opens his heart. But it's also worth saying that beyond David, this psalm brings us to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's quoted many times. If you were to read through the New Testament, you would find that it's quoted many times there. It's a messianic psalm, and it's often used to highlight the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, many of you will have noticed which verse in particular, verse 10, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. 
And that verse alone was quoted by Peter at Pentecost and Paul when he was in Antioch. And also you'll find it in the letter to the Hebrews. All describe the triumph of the Savior. And so it's amazing that though he's writing his own experience in the purposes of God, David is also writing prophetically concerning Jesus, the Son of God, Messiah. And it underlines that the principle that we're going to speak about tonight didn't just sustain David, but was also a characteristic in the life of the Lord Jesus as he did the work that his father had given him to do. So what then is this principle? Well, it's verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. I have set the Lord always before me. That was how the Lord Jesus lived. You know, you read through the Gospels and you see his life and his ministry whilst he was here on earth and it's so clear. You think of, of how he came aside to pray, sometimes at the dawn of the day, sometimes spending the whole night in prayer. Why does he pray so much? That communion with his Father, setting the Lord before him, keeping his focus upon his Father. He looked to him, lived for him and by him. It's so simple and yet it's vital as we live in this world to the glory of God. And when you read of David or whenever you read of our precious Savior, when you read of brothers and sisters through the years who've been close to the Lord and used of him and who've experienced him, the principle is evident. I have set the Lord always before me. It's really simple and yet it's profound. And if we knew just something of this, it would transform how we live. Now, friends, many of you have been through difficult times, been through hard circumstances and trials and challenges, and often they've come to you when you have been least expecting it. Times when maybe we felt totally confused. How do you look forward in times like that? How do we battle when our emotions are swirling, when we're knocked off course? And when we look back over the past weeks and months, the year, when we consider what has happened in our own lives and also on a wider scale, how many of those things did we predict? You know, we look back over the past year, how many things did we predict that took place? How much did we actually anticipate in detail? We don't know what this year will bring, apart from the certainty that the Lord Jesus is coming one day. We don't know when, but we know that he is coming. And we should be ready for that. We know that that is a certainty. But we cannot with great certainty predict what is coming to us. And so we are to ground ourselves in the great truths and the promises of God that will hold us whatever may come. Because they are the word of the God who holds us. They are his promises. And so for the believer, we don't necessarily need to know all the details of what is going to happen next week or in two months or six months. We trust the one who has all that in his hand. And so we press on one step at a time, looking to the Lord, certain of the hope of the glory that is to come. And so in this life, we can associate with William Carey, who said, I can plot. And maybe many of us feel like that. We are plodding our way through, seeking to be faithful. And say, by the grace of God, if we're believers tonight, we can say, whatever happens to me, I know that all will be well. Why? Well, the second part of verse 8, 
because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Why will I not be moved? The first part, I've set the Lord always before me, always looking to Jesus. She says to me, well, what does that look like as believers day by day? I wonder if you've ever thought, what is the, the big idea of the Christian life? What is it all about? Well, there's a, a Latin phrase which became one of the great cries during the Reformation, and the phrase is Coram Deo. And really, it, it brings together the essence of the Christian life. And it really speaks and refers to something that takes place in the presence of or before the face of God. And so to live Coram Deo is to live one's entire life with that awareness that we are in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God. And to live in the presence of God is to understand that whatever we are doing, whatever we might be doing it, we are acting under his gaze. The psalmist is saying this, that he has set the Lord God always before him, and so he's saying, I'm going to live consciously in the presence of God. And as I do that, I shall not be moved. That's the supreme object of David's life. I've set the Lord always before me. And you say, well, what does it mean to set the Lord always before me? Well, David was simply saying, I must remind myself, I must prompt myself, I must place these things always in front of me. It is a, a conscious attempt by David to bring himself into that position to pursue the Lord. It's a very similar emphasis that we see in the New Testament in Colossians 3 and verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So it says the set ourselves at the right angle, get the right perspective, constantly look at those things, gaze upon them. So how do we do this, what David is speaking about? How do we go about it? Well, some very simple practical steps. And the first is to be determined to set the Lord before you. That word set or setting speaks of a determination. It is a, an act of the will. It is a, a definite decision. It involves a deliberate thought that leads to specific action. And so as David has moved through the psalm, all the various realities that he has been speaking about, he begins to pull it all together. And as he considers all of these things, he understands his own position and his purpose, the way that he's going to live, and he's determined to do it. You know, growth in the Christian life is by the work of God in us. We know that. We know it's God to be the Lord who does it. But he's also, friends, given us means to pursue it doesn't just happen. And so we have to be determined to pursue the things that the Lord has for us. You know, it's easy, isn't it, just to drift along in life and allow life to sort of carry us along in its flow. And there are times maybe when we feel as though we're, we're helpless in that current and it's easy for days and months, even years to pass and we've not done what we propose to do. And we can feel like that. And life is busy for many of us. Always so many things to do. Never has life been so crowded for many of us. And it can feel as though your life is organized for you. You know, and it can be so hard to get our lives in control and living them as we believe they should be lived. 
And it's at those times that we have to be consciously determined because if we don't, we'll just get swept along all over again. You know, following the lockdowns, for many of us, it has been hard to return to a pace of life that had been so much reduced. But rather than evaluating what is essential, it can feel as though everything has just been thrown back on us, legitimate things, but we still struggle to make the Lord the focus. We neglect our spiritual well-being. Never forget a phrase that was mentioned often when I was growing up there in Southport. There can be a barrenness in busyness. But David says, no, I have set, I am determined, I am resolved to live in the reality that I am always in the presence of God. So if we're serious about this, that is the first thing we have to be determined that this is going to be a feature in our lives. And then we've got to be active in setting the Lord before us. We might well have that determination, but then we've got to do something about it. You know, as we think about the Christian life, again, we know salvation is holy of the Lord. It's his stepping down, his initiative, his taking hold of us, his intervention, his power. It's all of him from beginning to end. But as God works in the believer, there are consequences to that working. And so our appetites are changed. Our view of the world is changed. Our priorities change. And we've been given life in Christ. And as we grow and as we begin to pursue spiritual realities, we should want to go on with the Lord. You know, those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, they can do nothing in terms of spiritual things. And what is more, they don't want to do them. They're not interested they don't see any merit, for example, in what we're doing here this evening. But when we're given life, we are encouraged by the word of God to be active in the Christian life, to pursue the right things, to exercise ourselves unto godliness, to set our affections on things above. It is to take ourselves in hand and prioritize and discipline ourselves into these things. There is an activity now, I'm emphasizing this because there are many believers who can fall into the trap of taking the view, well, we just drift on. And, you know, maybe God will do something to us and then it will be different. And so there's a kind of passive waiting for some inner revival. And whilst waiting, they don't pursue the Lord. They don't truly wait on him. They don't seek him. That's not what the scriptures teach. The Lord has given us so many things that we are to engage in. You know, to get up in the morning and say, oh, well, I don't feel very spiritual today. You know, maybe I'll feel a bit more spiritual tomorrow. That's a very dangerous thing. And a drifting can happen very quickly in those circumstances. David says, no, I have set the Lord always before me. You know, if anything, it's when we feel least like spiritual things that is the time when we must exercise ourselves most in them. We must take ourselves in hand and set the Lord before us and speak to him. That's what David means. He's speaking of actively engaging in setting the Lord in his view before him to live in his presence even when he may not feel like it. It's not just aimlessly waiting. And hoping that the Lord graciously visits. Now, the Lord does make his presence known amongst his people. The Lord does visit his people. It's wonderful when he does. 
But the scriptures and the testimonies of the saints through the ages is that those who have known those precious times of the closeness of the Lord, the fellowship of the Lord, have been those who have been serious about seeking him and seeking him diligently. Hebrews 11 verse 6, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's the activity that we must undertake, to be active in setting the Lord before us. And you say, well, what should I do? What does that mean? Well, let's get even more practical. To set the Lord before me means that I'm serious about being saturated in the Word of God. It means consciously and deliberately reinforcing ever to myself who God is, what he has done, how he's intervened in my life, the relationship that I have been blessed with in Christ. All bound up in that, that saving relationship, that union with Jesus Christ. One preacher explains, when I wake up in the morning, before I allow myself to think about anything else, I say to myself, you are a child of God. You are an heir of eternity. God knows you and you belong to him. He says, I must do that because the moment I wake up, thoughts will come crowding into my mind, perhaps temptations, perhaps doubts, all sorts of things, but I must brush them aside and deliberately remind myself of who God is and my relationship with him in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is setting the Lord before you. So remind ourselves that God is and that we are what we are because of him. That God is eternal, that he is life, that he is reality. He's not just some abstract thought. He is real, he's a real person. I want to go into his presence and I want to know him and to speak with him and to commune with him, to have fellowship with him. That's what David means by setting the Lord before him. And there are many practical things that we can do in this, but first priority has to be reading, meditating, dwelling on the Word. God has revealed himself to us in his Word, and so as we read it, we learn more of him. The Holy Spirit works upon that Word, opens our eyes, so that we see wonderful things from it, and speaks to us through his Word about himself, shows us more about ourselves. And the more that we know it and read it, the more it takes us into his presence. I wonder if you've ever thought about how you will do that at the outset of this new year. I wonder if you've thought about the way in which you're going to spend that time in the Lord's presence, whether you have clear direction on that. God's word speaks to you and you can listen to him and you'll come into his presence and set him before you. You can do it in prayer. As you speak with him and listen to him, be quiet before him. There are such simple things, but they're the vital things. And too often we neglect them. And really, if we're honest, we're all looking for a quick fix. But the reality is the relationship takes time to be with him. And, you know, read biographies, too, of godly believers when you see the kind of life the Lord helped them to live. Rather than it being a, a great burden or a stick to beat yourself with, you can remember they were just like you. They're sinners just like you. You know, even as Elijah, you know, mentioned there in James, 
He is a man after our own nature, but they lived as they did because they set the Lord always before them. Even in the midst of their darkest moments, they still were granted to cling to the refuge and were given to press on. Even in acute hardship, they knew the sweetness and the beauty about their relationship with God. They knew joy and peace. And the crucial part was that they knew the Lord and they spent time with the Lord. Friends, so often we find ourselves struggling, don't we? We're so busy, there's so much to fill our time, and yet we neglect our souls. And actually we become very satisfied with very little, and we tell ourselves it is enough. When actually the Lord has so much more for us, and to go from the shallows into the depths of communion with him. And maybe also we live in an age where it's all about entertainment. We just want something light, a little taster, something that doesn't really stretch us. But the saints of the past, they were desirous of so much more. And I pray that we would resolve to be like that. Don't get lost in the current of life. Prioritize what is of real value. What should have your time? And set the Lord always before you. And you know, in this day and age too, one of the things the church at large greatly lacks is that commitment. And what the church needs more than ever is people who take the claims of Jesus Christ seriously. The calls of discipleship seriously, who will give themselves to the work of the Lord. But they need to be those who aren't just going through the motions, but serving because their hearts are on fire with love for Jesus. Do you know, your heart can be cold. And when the troubles come, you'll not know where you are and you'll be adrift. And so if you feel like that, you need to come back and set the Lord before you. Return to your first love. And pray that the Lord would move you. The natural outworking of a heart set aflame is that desire to serve the Lord, to see his name glorified and prioritizing his service. That's a product of knowing him. And so we need to be about these things. And then as we draw it together, we should be constant in setting the Lord always before us. The word always is so important. It's not a part-time exploit. Not something to be done just when the mood takes us. That's why there has to be that determination because we have to exercise ourselves in these things even when the desire is maybe not as strong as it once was. But when the Lord is with us, when we know that he's there, it's such a great blessing. And we are fired up for the things of God. But that determination has to come in when we feel dry, when we feel barren, when we feel weary. And maybe we just feel a bit apathetic about things. Then we must especially set him before us. And that's why, dear friends, making the most of the means of grace is so important. And gathering with the Lord's people is so important, even when we might lack an enthusiasm for it. And often, even though we can feel as though we're, we're dragging ourselves along, attending out of duty, often God then meets us to stir us and awaken us and, and bless us. And what you find is this, when people begin to drift, they not only drift away from the Lord, but also away from his people. And sadly, 
We've seen the effects of the pandemic enforced for a time, but when the opportunity is there to return, it becomes harder for people. And so there's this ongoing isolation which can be so difficult spiritually. It's so important to stay close, even though it can be hard. And I'm sure that as we look at our lives, there are times when we've known that dryness, that barrenness, and yet we've determined to seek the Lord and to set him before us, and suddenly the clouds part, as it were, and the light shines once again, and we know the closeness of his presence. That's a very wonderful thing. And even if you don't feel like it, you go to the Lord. You seek him in the private. You seek him in the company of the Lord's people. And you be determined and steadfast. And you press on. And in every circumstance, set the Lord before you. Not only when things are tough, because time can be that you've not been seeking him and then things get harder and you feel you, you can't find him and so you feel deserted. You seek him always. In sunshine or in storm, in calm or when the tempest rages, in comfort or poverty, health or sickness, the Lord must ever be in view. Always, says the psalmist. I have set the Lord always before me. And why should I do it as we finish? Why should I do these things? Why should I set the Lord before me? Well, the first is to think about our accountability to God. He is the Lord Jehovah, the Almighty. He's the everlasting God. We must never forget that. And if that is not enough, remember he is the Lord and you're always before him. Zechariah 4, the eyes of the Lord scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. He sees. He knows all things. He knows everything. And because his eye is upon me, surely it is the essence of wisdom that my eye should always be upon him. Or Hebrews 4, there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Nothing is hidden from his sight. He sees all the details. He sees those things that we utter in private, those things that we say as an aside. He sees all of that. And one day I will stand before him and appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give account. And so is it not wise, therefore, to set the Lord always before us? Our accountability. But also beyond that, think of our fellowship with God if we're believers. Think on the, the privileges of being able to do this. How foolish we are to miss out on fellowship with Almighty God of fellowship with our Savior, of fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And we know that by living, by dying on the cross, and by rising again, Christ has granted us this life to live and walk in fellowship with God, to be reconciled to God. We think of Enoch walking with God. What a blessed position. And yet as believers, we too are meant to walk with him in this world. What a privilege. To walk with God. 1 John 1 3, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. What a tragedy that we have to remind ourselves of this. But we do, and we should determine to do it always, to set Him before us as we wake each new day as the Lord pleases. Think on the privilege that is yours, dear believer, to walk with God. 
to walk with Christ, to know his presence. Oh, if we started our days like that, we can sometimes wake up and our minds instantly flooded with so many things. They get us down and make us weary. Need to set them aside, to set God in view. The privilege of knowing him. That's the Christian life. To know God, to delight in God. And then not only accountability and fellowship, but our comfort in God. There is great comfort in setting the Lord before you always. You know, each day we face a battle. You know, as believers, we face that battle every day. There is an enemy who wants to ruin us. We have to put on the whole armor of God. And as we start each day, there are so many temptations. We have an adversary who is a mighty adversary. Never underestimate him. He prowls as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he will attack us with all of his might. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And there is only one comfort as we realize the reality of the battle that we face. I need thee every hour. Stay thou nearby. Why? Because temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. You know, we mentioned earlier a verse where it speaks of the eyes of the Lord running to and fro throughout the whole earth in that sense of accountability and judgment. There's another great text, 2 Chronicles 69. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. It's wonderful to think that God wants to appear for his people, to strengthen them and help them. And if the Lord is with us when temptations come, how different it is to facing them alone. And just like putting on the armor of God described in Ephesians, it is to set the Lord before us, the captain of our salvation. And trials come in so many different forms. Troubles will come. Then there is one thing that comforts us, that he is with us in it all. That is the comfort we need. How did the Lord Jesus face his trials, the greatest trial of the cross? Well, he told us, John 16, verse 32. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. And just as the Lord, so we face our afflictions, even when death itself shall come, we know that our Lord will be with us. He won't leave us or forsake us. And we know that in the Lord Jesus, he has conquered death. As we see in Psalm 16, a little bit later on, as Hebrews 6 says, he is the anchor within the veil. And because he lives, we shall live also. And because he is in heaven, one day we shall be there with him. Even death has been vanquished. And friends, the glory of it all is this. Even though I am so changeable, as are you, he never changes. Even though this world ever changes, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so whatever may happen in this coming year, whatever the future may bring, I have but to set him before me, to look to him, and ask him to abide with me both now and forever. And to know that by his grace he has saved me. He will sustain me. And he will keep me. 
and surely that is enough. And so as we face this new year, may it be that you will set the Lord always before you. And because he is at your right hand, you shall not be moved. May God help us. Amen.